It is season six of For Fuck's Sake. We are back again for yet another year. Um, we just recorded a podcast, but I just realized as we finished recording that I forgot to announce our competition winner uh, that we put up during the day for a new home or away Melbourne Victory 2021 kit. Um, the winner of the competition is Nathan Clark on uh, Facebook. So Nathan, if you are listening, uh, congratulations. Get in contact with us. Uh, just give us a private message on the Facebook page and we'll organize a uh, home or away kit to be sent out to you so well done Uh, we'll do a few more giveaways throughout the course of the season but for now let's get into a huge episode of fvs You are listening to the For Buck Sake podcast. This is the one and only podcast for Melbourne Victory fans back again for a sixth season. My name is Jason. I'm coming to you um, from the same country as everyone else. We're in the same country for the first time in about 18 months. I'm uh, coming to you from Sunbury. We tried to organize all three of us in together uh, in the same room for the first time in a while, but uh, it wasn't to be. The The family schedules are still uh, a little bit too hard to sync up. So um, for the time being, we are doing this remotely still, but we do have uh, some ambitions to get together in the next few weeks to chat some fuck. But for the meantime, uh, I will throw to the man of the people in Watsonia, Buds. Um, hello and welcome back to a new season of FBS. Season six. Wowee. Um this one crept up on us big time. Um, I hope we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, heaps of exciting stuff. Melbourne victories are always exciting. Um, it's great to see you guys. How are you all? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm glad to be back in the country. Uh, I think I re- we, lo- we last recorded our podcast or the last podcast for the season about two weeks before I was due to jet out. Um, I got here. There was some issues, um, but we got there. The people power and, uh, and, and government help um, got us over the line. We might explain a bit more about that a little bit later on, but I will throw to Dave, the chief analyst of FES. Dave, it's a new season. We remember what happened last season. We all remember the, the shit show that uh, was season 19 slash 20. But I'd say that my enthusiasm is renewed as we head into an ACL campaign, a uh, recommenced ACL campaign, and then also a A-League campaign, which is due to kick off on December 27, about six weeks away. Boys, there are no salary cap cuts to FVS. I can confirm we are back all three of us in Melbourne. Does Sunbury count as Melbourne, buds? Uh, don't know. If it's we Metro can... Melbourne. Yeah, it's Metro. Okay. But um, look, no uh, ring of steel here. What what a, what a feeling! What a feeling it is to to be back. Summer football, kind of leading into winter football. This sort of transitional year that the A League uh, is going to experiment with. So you know, it's a Ample opportunity here for FVS to also experiment, um, but look, mm-hmm. we've got our we've got our man back, and I tell you what, you you've been in the US, so it feels like for ages that we've had this feeling like, geez, it'll be great when you come back because things are so crazy over there, but it just never seems to cease being crazy. So you must be relieved, mate. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't, uh, sling too much shit in, uh, at America because my wife is in the next room who is of course the American citizen. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep that in check, but it's good to be back. Um, you know, the, uh, we've got twins on the way. I think we're about four weeks away from, from the twins happening. Um, so that's going to happen probably Jeez, before A-League kickoff. Yeah. So it's wow. going to be, it's going to be a madhouse here. So we went from in the space of what? Two and a half years, we went from recording in a share house with a lizard um, <laughs> to now recording remotely um, with uh, 
three kids in the back uh, background probably going to be crying their eyes out um, throughout the, the course of the season. I'm not too sure how we're going to swing um, three kids recording in the background, but we'll, we'll try. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to be back. As I said, um, yeah, almost didn't get here, but glad I did. And uh, yeah, the, the USA, I think today or yesterday, 181,000 cases for the day. Um, and we're up to 16 days in a row of, of zero. So it was, it was shaky when... When we got down, when we touched down here and uh, the start of September, obviously everyone would pretty much uh, had had enough of uh, of lockdown in Victoria and was was feeling the pinch a little bit. But now we're uh, we're definitely reaping the rewards and hopefully um, we're heading towards the summer of actually being able to go to VUC games, which is going to be huge as well. So I'm looking forward to to that. Yes. Um, we do have we do have a huge podcast on the cards for you, of course. Uh, we haven't done one in about three months, so there's been a whole build-up of stuff. Uh, we'll be discussing the, the finer details of the new A-League season. As I said, it's going to kick off on the 27th of December. Um, the fixtures aren't yet finalized, but there's uh, been no shortage of big events to happen over the off-season. I feel like it's probably been one of the most dramatic off-seasons in A-League history, and that's saying something because A-League loves off-field drama. Um, we'll discuss the contract disputes, the player exodus uh, from various clubs. Newcastle Jets, I think uh, they've been the the basket case of the season. I think we have to chat about them as well and just the general thoughts on the health of the A-League. I think, Dave, you'll um, you'll have your say on that. I, uh, I think uh, we'll discuss as well. There was a friendly today, so Melbourne Vichy were in action behind closed doors against Melbourne City. We'll, we'll discuss that briefly. And then we'll discuss... The additions to the VUC, so both in the back room uh, and also the uh, the playing field, we'll discuss the ins and outs and uh, have our say on uh, the general feeling as we head into the season for uh, for A League season twenty slash twenty one. What else have we got here? We've got tidbits, Broxham uh, victory medals, Footscray Park, uh, more A-League signings, W-League, uh, Kevin Musket, Mark Milligan, and also on top of that, ACL. So uh, we have a lot to get through. As with the first podcast of any season, we are still getting back in the swing of things. We'll be a bit rusty. This is the... Um, this is the first time we've recorded remotely all three of us in Australia, so internet connection is going to be interesting. I'm not too sure how Sunbury's going to go with my 40 megabits per second compared to America, where I was up to 200, so hopefully the connection stays uh, nice and solid. Um, but I'm excited. The music theme this week, uh, I think I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with Adelaide because they were in the news today. It looks like they might be on the verge of a little, uh, a little, little, little surge in coronavirus. So as a little tribute to Adelaide, which a lot of people hang shit on, but in my opinion, I love Adelaide. Hindley Street is one of the greatest thoroughfares of debauchery you can come across. So um, yeah, the music theme I'm going to go with is Adelaide. Great to visit. Wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, well, it doesn't seem like uh, it'd be a great place to live right now either. But uh, let's not let's not be uh, bad losers. I guess bad winners because uh, Victoria sixteen nah, in a row, that. baby. Close the borders. Sixteen in a row, baby. <laughs> Close the Close borders. Close the borders. Yeah. Close the borders. So uh, let's get into it. This is the first episode of the year four for luck's sake. A friendly reminder about the For Fuck's Sake message boards over at ForFuck'sSake.com. You can chat all things Victory with like-minded Victory fans over there. It is a message board, uh, a bit old school, but a nice uh, community of like-minded Victory fans. You can chat about all types of things, but at the moment, uh, the top items on the agenda are coronavirus and the VUC, of course, still. Uh, Grant Brebner, uh, he's starting to... um, 
to carve out a little bit of an identity, I think, from from what I heard in the uh, the notes in the the behind closed doors game. Um, AFC Champions League, we are doing that. We're about to jet off for that. Robbie Cruz, uh, Reese Williams, so I think he's a free agent. Can he possibly come back to the Buck? There's been some uh, rumour and innuendo about his status. So get on there and chat all things Victory with like-minded Victory fans. That is for Buck's sake, for Vucksake.com. Um, a reminder as well to our Patreon supporters, um, thank you to those people that stuck with us through the coronavirus. We didn't um, charge for any podcast towards the, the back end of the year. Um, we'll give this one as a freebie as well. And then probably from the next podcast onwards, we'll um, we'll start charging that again. And um, your contributions are very, very much appreciated. It goes towards um, the equipment that we, uh, that we buy in order to... Uh, broadcast remotely or record remotely um, goes into social media giveaways all that kind of stuff um, to drum up support and and uh, expand our followership or follower base so if you are looking to get on board um, for the coming season whether it's for one dollar a podcast or five dollars a podcast there are different tiers um, get onto their patreon.com slash for fuck's sake and uh, please contribute i'm going to announce something probably next week uh, we did a, we gave an away, gave away an away trip to a lucky Patreon supporter last year. Um, then coronavirus happened, of course, and he didn't get to go on that away trip. I think it happened about a month before he was supposed to, um, Ryan Norton. Um, that's bad luck, but we might do a, a similar competition. Um, not an away trip this time, but something even bigger. Um, if you like gaming, I've got a few ideas. So for vuxsake.com slash Patreon. Oh, sorry, patreon.com slash for fuck's sake. Um, get on there and play it. please contribute if you can. Um, yeah, every every cent you can give uh, helps us make this podcast better and spurs us on in, in what's going to be uh, an interesting year for us um, altogether. So with that said, let's jump straight into this. Um, boys, let's chat about the season at large. Dave, as I said off the top, it was probably one of the most dramatic off-seasons in A-League history. There was so much, I guess, uncertainty around what was happening with the league. Um, there was player exodus, you know, because of coronavirus, there's uh, you know, issues with contracts and the the league wanting players to take massive, massive pay cuts. Um, players not wanting to do that and then shipping off um, to overseas. James Donerkey, who left the VUC to go to the Jets, um, decided to go to, to, to India and a few, I think a few other players were the same. Newcastle Jets really got reamed um, in every sense of the word throughout the course of the offseason. So, um, Dave, what was your take over uh, the last, say, let, let's say 12 weeks or so of what was a crazy offseason? <laughs> How long have you got? I mean, there's just so much to to dissect. You know, when we did our last podcast from last season, you know, we were talking about the youngsters that were getting an opportunity and of course the contract negotiations you know a lot of the squad were their, their, their contracts were expiring in the end of May uh, in 2020 but look everything obviously got thrown up in the air and as to where all the pieces landed um, you know we're starting to see some semblance of a picture now but look um, there, there's so much I guess doubt uh, and everything, but I think one thing that we knew from the get-go was that whatever came up from the ashes, you know, at the end of all this, it was going to be a much more streamlined, much more local, and you know, economical A League. And there's there's so many different variables and factors playing on in the background when it comes to uh, you know people talking about national second division. Um, prospects for that. We already knew the TV situation with Fox Sports and where that landed sort of earlier this year. That was already dicey. So we find ourselves very much as a whole, not just the professional game, but the sport as a whole, uh, in in a kind of limbo. Uh, And I was constantly talking about James Johnson and the job that he has ahead of him. Nothing has changed on that front. There's a hell of a lot of Things that need deciding and, and work ahead. Um, I think clubs like ours that have a very solid financial backing, um, you know, are going to come out of this fine. And, you know, we're, we've seen signings, you know, 
and sightings that aren't making you think, you know, gee, things are really, really bad. Like, you know, the championship level type players that have arrived in in Butterfield and McManaman and, and the like. But, yeah, it's an interesting period for the other end of the spectrum when it comes to the league and the professional clubs in it. You mentioned Newcastle in your intro. There's a lot more, I guess, uncertainty around their viability moving forward. But add one last thing on top of all that, this whole FFA unbundling the league to let the clubs have control is on top of that. So it's, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want James Johnson's job right now. That's that's how... I, uh, Really hard to, I guess, summarise what is it now, three months' worth of events and things that have happened. But, yeah, I, I tried. Over to you. Buds, Buds, what was the craziest off-season moment for you, do you think? It's a hard one. <clears throat> it's pretty hard. Look, the... The... Um, the, um, the, the contract negotiations and all that was tough to watch but i thought it was the probably the the exodus to india and just so many younger players mm-hmm. picking a country that's in absolute covid turmoil and um, a league that's I, I don't watch the indian premier league so i don't know it doesn't sound like it would be too appealing but you know out of anywhere in the world that they were picking to go they were going to india that was probably the craziest thing for me but not surprising um Look, I think if if there was a club that was going to benefit from this COVID era, it was probably going to be us because pre-COVID we had to blow it up and start again anyway. We were in an absolutely terrible situation, so yes. Um, while while we didn't particularly enjoy having to endure that as a fan base or as a podcast or or you know as a club, um. We can we can only do better. The only way is up, really, from last season. So, well, I have no expectation. I don't have any expectations, really, of of this season. To be honest, um, I actually did feel good. Uh, the day Brebner got signed, there was just something I liked about it. Um, it may not work out, but I I actually didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. I thought, actually, here we go. The craziest the craziest thing here it goes was the day He's that there was there was mail that John Aloisi might have been the manager. Lots of oh, yeah, that, that. That was the craziest little crazy. period. That was crazy. Where we were getting mail going. He is in the running. He is in the last two. He is in the reckoning. And he was um, in the last two. Yeah. Yeah, and it was well, like it came down had, to like the last morning. It came, it came down, down to the last, to the last morning, and there was massive. And the club must have listened to the fans and the outrage that came from channels like ours breaking that kind of news and the vitriol that was getting thrown around. And there was a really, really, really big chance that an Aloisi was going to manage Melbourne Victory. And that was nuts. Well, I know you got your hands up, Dave, but I will just say I heard that he had the job. So I've heard from reliable sources he had the job. Um, and then it was a it was a backflip. So John Willis, he was the manager of Melbourne Victory. There was a in principle agreement from what I've what I've heard, um, and there was a backflip due to fan reaction and vitriol. Mm. That's what I've heard. Jeez, it's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. So that's that's pretty crazy. He was he he pretty much had the job, um, and then fan kind of fan power spoke, I suppose, and there was a bit of a backflip on yeah. on that. So Grant Brebner got the job. Also, some very very high candidate uh, can, high, high profile candidates um, offered themselves to the job and were turned down, and uh, a few others were were knocked back as well. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think I'm excited as well by Grant Brebner. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the old fuck in me. Um, it is. It's, that's that's 100% what it is, mate. There's, there's nothing more yeah. about it. It's just... It's meat and three veg. It's seriously... It's meat and three veg. It's a schnitzel mm-hmm. mash and gravy. It's just straight down the line. I don't expect too much, but... I think we need someone to steady the steady the ship. A bit of a rudder in place. We we can't go rudderless again. Last year was absolutely rudderless. 
it's low risk as well. You know, like we're giving a guy who's never had a, a senior job. You know, and you know this this trend has kind of appeared in other parts of the world with you know Pirlo, Lampard, you know legends of clubs, so to speak. Um, obviously, I am not drawing any kind of parallel with those names, but you know it's this approach, and it's a, as I said, low risk, safety, safety. And I wanted to just briefly touch on one thing that you said there, buds, like around you know the the situation we found ourselves in and you know we were in a really good position you absolutely nailed it there because we had so many players out of contract out of all the clubs that could have just pressed that reset button at the most opportune time we were in that position um you know we had the ability to basically have this clean slate in this new post-COVID or COVID era to be able to reassess what's going on uh, and and take our time. And that's what we did. Um, the appointment of Brebner, look, I, I'm fairly happy with it and content and, you know, it's his job to lose now. He, and, you know, we're going to talk about Steve Keane um, and, you know, backroom appointments and everything like that. I think that was always going to be the case that some sort of senior brains trust was going to be brought in. But, um, yeah, look... No expectations as well. Like, you know, we, it just boggles the mind that we're playing Asian Champions League after all this that has happened. Like, and we're off to mm-hmm. fucking Doha um, to play four games in roughly 10 days. Uh, it's it's just staggering. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting few months, that's for sure. Um, we'll probably be just discussing more about the health of the A-League throughout the course of the season. Um uh, there, there have to be legitimate fears for it. I don't want to get too much into this because we've got so much to cover today, but there has to be legitimate fears about um, the future of it after this season and, and after the Fox, de- Fox Sports uh, deal finishes. Um, time is ticking. Super Rugby, who you'd say is probably in the same tier as us for um, media, uh, I guess, leverage, um, have got a deal now with Channel 9 and Stan. Um, something mm-hmm. I raised on the podcast five years ago that the future of of sports broadcasting in Australia was on those streaming platforms. It's it's happening. So um, whether Channel Nine decide to buy up because they want to they want to expand this Stan service, um, this add on sports service, whether they buy up the A League or um, maybe they've used up their money on Super Rugby. We're not too sure. So we'll see um, how that pans out. But the time is ticking. The TV deal is so pivotal. Um, Optus Sport, I think we're all kind of just expecting Optus Sport to, to, to take it, but nothing has happened yet. Um, I'm sure that talks are ongoing between them, but the way I see it, it comes down to probably Optus Sport bailing us out or um, Stan and, and Channel 9 um, doing something a little bit outside the box, um, which the A-League have to be receptive to. And um, Yeah, it's worrying. If, if that doesn't come through in the next few months, then um, the speculation is only going to grow about the future of the league. And one thing's for certain, we're not going to see anywhere near the sorts of money that has been mm-hmm. no. thrown at the game for the past 15 years, which is understandable yep. in the climate, understandable with everything, which is why this whole transition of, of the league being run by the clubs, which is that model that you know is often pointed to, the, the Premier League and you know, the distinct entities you know, and all of this, how they come out of this and you know, the model that is chosen to raise money and to, to keep things afloat and all of that, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and, you know, I know that, you know, there's a lot of talk about what else Australian football needs to do. But the primary aim is to ensure that we still have a professional league. Then from that, other things can flow. So, yeah, it's not going to be boring, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some uh, specific things to the VUC. Um, now, uh, Dave, I know you wrote this, wrote this rundown out and you've got the uh, the 3-3 draw against Melbourne City today um, already on there, I think. Brock's uh, scored... Was it? I know Brock scored once, Dave. No, he scored once and Cam Sober scored once and Brimmer scored once. So that your notes are a little bit off there. Um, Cam mm. Sober scored. Yeah, Cam Sober scored. I think I was misled um, by a, a certain tweet. But anyway, that, that, yeah. that's good to see that uh, um, I saw Brimmer's free kick, um, yep. which looked pretty Look good. good. Good to see that there's some set-piece presence there. Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward. Um, Nab- Naboo scored for, for City. 
um, and McLaren scored two. So, uh, of course, Andy did Nabu celebrate? Be, uh, I, I don't know. It's behind closed doors, and, and the club didn't want to do any commentary until after. You know, just for content's sake, surely you can just do a, a little tweet commentary. I would have thought um, during the the ninety minutes. A little bit disappointing that we had to wait until after. But come on, Tom um, Pollock. <clears throat> lift yeah, for the punters, yeah, Pollock. Tom, give us some con- give us some content. Um, but yeah, I don't a, a think nice, it's his uh, decision. Little, <laughs> Nice he's, he's, he's powerful enough. He's been there forever. He, he, if he wants something, he gets it. Yeah. So nice little lead-in for, for the boys who are about to jet off to Doha um, for the Asian Champions League, which we're going to discuss in just a moment. Um, but let's talk about the the outs and the ins and the uh, yeah, just what's what's been going on in uh, in Victory Land over the last few months. Um, so transfers out, we'll just touch on these. A few of these we touched on um, at the end of last season, but James Donachie went to the Newcastle Jets and then he's off to um, India on, on loan. Uh, Basha, uh, he decided to terminate his contract. That was one I was quietly hoping for throughout the course mm. of the season. I got my wish. I'm happy. Um, Kenny Athew, he um, says here, is, uh, thanks to Wikipedia, he's currently unattached. Um, hard to believe. Um, he's, his uh, contract expired at the end of August. Um, Carrigan, which was a really surprising one to me, he's signed for Bentley Greens now. Um, I think that was yesterday. announced yesterday. Yeah, so a little bit of a surprising one because you'd expect him at his age to kind of keep that kind of like, you know, the base salary um, professional contract and just kind of be there just for depth. I didn't think he was terrible at all. So surprised that he was let go. There's another surprise coming on down the road, but um, there's a few there's a few decent ones here that we need to try to chat about. Um, Galofogo, he's gone. Not too sure what's, what uh, Giancarlo is up to now, but wish him all the best. Um, generally one of, the, one of the best people uh, you'll speak to, uh, even if sometimes his performances weren't consistent. Uh, Nabu, uh, he went off to Perth, and then the uh, the whole issue <laughs> with uh, with contracts happened, so he's off to his to city now, gets to stay in Melbourne. Um, Sutton uh, has crossed to Melbourne City, another one uh, that has done the victory to city swap. Um, and then uh, the next couple are interesting here. So, Let's discuss the the ending of uh, the contract of Josh Hope. Now, uh, the writing was on the wall for a number of, I guess, a number of years or a long, long time coming. Um, he got his contract extended a couple of years ago when people thought that maybe his time had come to an end and got, a, I guess, a stay of execution in, in, in that regard. Um, and then, yeah, the time was up this 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 season and he's decided to pull the pin on his football career, citing social media trolls and and criticism as the main catalyst for um, his retirement. Now there's a lot of, a lot of back and forth, especially on the for fuck's sake forums about this Uh, kind of made me be reflective because, you know, not too long off the back of the, um, the Seb Ryle thing where he, um, I don't know if he, he thought about committing suicide or he, he attempted it, um, but he had some some pretty dark thoughts um, due in part to some of the, the chanting he was receiving from Melbourne Victory fans. So um, it kind of made me stop and reflect a little bit on um, Josh Hope and just the criticism that he did cop throughout his time at the Victory. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd hate to, to, you know, uh, contribute to some guy's uh, mental health issues, um, but there is there, there seems to be two sides to this story. It's it's a really tough subject to to discuss because you don't want to invalidate anyone's mental health. Um, that's their own you know that's their own struggles, and you can't you can't tell them they don't they don't feel that way um, because you know they are they how they feel how they feel. So it's a tough subject to broach. Um, but Dave, I think that um, you might have to rejig my memory or rejog my memory here but i think that you you summed it up pretty nicely on the um fbs message boards when it happened if you can remember um the post that you put up or maybe it was buds it was one of you two put it pretty pretty nicely i think we both had a couple of distinct and different things to say on the topic it's it's absolutely tragic you know that he's walking away from the game and and that he's citing um 
social media abuse as the chief reason behind it. I think it's awful and, you know, it's obviously something that um, people need to be mindful of. Um, but I don't think it's as simple as that. Um, I do think that there are multiple factors here. Um, for starters, I think Josh probably hasn't been advised as well as he could have been over the journey. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying people need to just switch off social media because it's very much a part of everyone's lives. Although I've, I've switched off Twitter and Facebook myself during this uh, COVID, COVID lockdown. But look, I get it. I, I, I know that it's um, it's addictive and it's a draw. Um, but what I'm specifically referring to is how Josh spent a couple of moments goading people post-Melbourne victory career, basically telling a raft of people to go and get effed, blah, blah, blah. And I just think, you know, I'm not, I understand where he's coming from. He's frustrated at some of the, the crap that he's copped, but um, I don't know that doing that as your reaction is the best way to handle a situation. And moreover, it's only going to incite more of the same type of thing. So it's just more about advice in, in that sense. So I've always rated Josh Hope. I've backed him up from a very young age. I've always seen what I you know seen him play both, you know, in the very rare minutes that he actually got in the first team, but you know, saw him play for the NPL side a few times and, you know, I've I've liked the style of player he is. He just hasn't been able to to make the grade um, at the A-League. I don't think he ever copped abuse on the pitch that much. I'm, you know, I'm happy to be corrected. I'm happy to be told that I'm wrong. But I don't recall Josh Hope being the point of frustration for fans in the stance. You know, he was coming on for like 10 minutes here, five minutes there. People aren't, you know, targeting those sorts of players when they have these bit part cameo roles. I think definitely... Yeah, I saw it myself, you know, quite a few people laying into him and there's that famous incident where his mum jumped in to back him on, on, I think it was Facebook, I can't quite recall. But yeah, look, I, I think it's it's obviously a loss in the game and it's a bad thing, you know, it's part of our lives right now and there needs to be some, you know, work done in that space to protect players in that. Because when you're a professional, you, you're going to get that scrutiny. Um, there are Melbourne Victory players over the entire lifespan of Melbourne Victory that have copped far, far worse than what Josh Hope has, including our current captain, Lee Broxham. Um, I don't know, yeah, everyone's different. And as you said, Jace, you know, everyone absorbs these things differently, everyone handles it differently, and it's not our place to kind of make that judgment. But to me, it's an advice thing. Um, and Josh probably shouldn't have fed the trolls. Yeah, um, you, you bring up Lee Broxham. He was um, probably heavily scrutinised in the, the era just before social media. So it would be actually pretty interesting to get his thoughts on how that would have affected him had, had social media been around because, um, yeah, Broxham copped it a lot worse. Um, Buds, your thoughts? Um, if he ever wants to have another crack at being a professional again, he probably won't. Um, and I know there's a... There's a big hole in the um, in the generation at the moment with local talent. But if you're going to pack it in because you've got knockers and you're a professional sportsman and you want to go public and air it all and not put the onus on yourself once when you've had four managers that haven't really believed in you um, and then you're going to tell anyone who's a prospective manager or someone that you know a football director that you can't handle the pressure you don't like the 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 quote from him that got me that was funny was he was just treated like a player i'll tell you and now josh anyone that's in the workforce 99 percent of them are just an employee and if you go to university and you study you're treated no more than a student so hopefully you go and study something and do something good with your life and hopefully you don't feel too bad about being treated like a student when you're at uni good luck uh yeah, there you go. Anthony Lesiotis, that's another interesting one. That was probably the more interesting one, Anthony Lesiotis. He um, he announced on an 
NBA 2K20 stream on PlayStation 4 on Twitch um, <laughs> that the club hadn't had offered him a contract. What's that, What's that um, Jace? Rem- tell, me, tell me what Twitch is. It's pretty big. Oh, it's pretty even, big. Even, yeah, it's something it's to do with it's gaming, huge, isn't even, it? Even that's passed me by. Yeah, it's, it's basically um, you stream yourself playing games and, and it's big business. It's uh, If I had a... If I'd have realized how big the video gaming business was was when I was a kid, I would have put a bit more thought into Maybe it. Maybe I should have Dude, dude, I, dude I used to work with um, not long ago, yeah. just used to spend his whole lunch break in the cafeteria watching Twitch for like 45 minutes yeah. in the corner. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, no. like, I don't understand why, why you would want to watch someone play games when you can just be playing the games. Um, but each to their own. Anyway, Anthony Lanciotis... <laughs> Um, said announced on his stream. I'm not too sure what his Twitch handle is, um, but he's, uh, he's he loves his NBA 2K20 streams, I guess. Uh, he announced that uh, the club haven't offered him a contract, uh, and then it just kind of got drawn out after that because uh, the fans got wind of it. No one was saying anything. Um, Anthony Leslie just kind of shut up shop. I, I approached him to see if he'd come on for an interview, explain what was happening. He um, he said no. That's fair enough. Credit to him. Uh, the club wouldn't say anything. And still, we don't really know what happened. This is uh, by far our most promising youngster um, last year in an era. Dave is shaking your head, but he got the most game time. Oh, you, you can say Laurie Latanzio, maybe, but he, got the, he was the most consistent over the... He was the shining the, light in the Kurtz era. Yeah. He was the and most see, redeeming is, feature of the Kurtz era. And this is the most baffling thing because we are heading into a period of transition in which the MO seems to be all about development now. It's all about uh, giving game time to the kids and blooding the kids. Um, and here is our most promising youngster from the previous season, and uh, we've dropped him like a uh, hot piling, uh, hot steaming pile of shit, really, basically, without kind of much of an uh, explanation. He seems like he was on the outs um, at the restart of the, the last season after COVID. Didn't get much game time after that. There were maybe some injuries um, to play, uh, to play a part in that. But when he was fit, I don't think he was selected either. So seems like um, very, very simply, Grant Bremner did not like him. That's the only thing I can come up with. Stolen my thunder there a little bit, but I look at all the departures that we've had and there are only two names. Well, one that I'm really upset about and that's obviously Lawrence Thomas, but it's kind of a no-brainer that he was on his way out and he's doing well over there in, in Denmark at the moment. Lysiotis was the other one. Like, you know, it was a shame to see him go um, and the circumstances around it and the uncertainty because, you know, he was um, a promising player for that period of time, but I think what you've said sums it up. He just wasn't one of Brebner's guys. Like Brebner came in, didn't give him much game time. Barnett started to get more game time. Clearly, there's something there that you know Brebner just made a decision based on that. And look, is it a shame? Yes, but you know, I'll back Brebner in at this point. Um, who knows what? There's always two sides to these things. You know, maybe, you know, Lesiotis was angling for more money and it was just out of reach or, you know, unrealistic. There's there's a lot of factors. But, yeah, look, I obviously would rather that we had kept him. But, yeah, them's the breaks. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, he, he goes to Western Sydney Wanderers now and uh, I'm sure that he'll, uh, he'll put us to the sword the next time that we play him. So that's basically all the outs for this year. Uh, the ins... I'll, I'll touch on, I'll just go over the list right now um, before we delve in a bit more deeper into it. But uh, Max Krokomb, um is coming from Brisbane Raw um, as our backup goalkeeper. It looks like um, pretty much Acton is going to be the number one unless there's any kind of uh, changes between now and then. Um, Jake Brimmer, he comes over from the UK. Callum McManaman comes over from the UK. Nick Ansel uh, returning from overseas um, as depth in the back four. Um, Jacob Butterfield comes from the UK. And sorry, I said Jake Brimmer comes to the UK. No, he comes from Perth, I believe. Um, Butterfield yep, um, is from you, the UK. You yeah. <laughs> for Lamy, um, he's an Aussie, but he's coming from the UK, Ipswich. Um, and then Dylan Ryan um, is coming a defender as well on loan from William Tway, which we may remember as the club that we signed Joseph Keenan from back in season three, the former Chelsea FC star, um, Joseph Keenan. Um, boys, before I get into it, I just want to say I love, 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 love 
Grant Brebner's uh, off-season recruiting approach. Uh, it seems like now we've taken the, the lead of uh, Sydney FC, who got uh, Adam LaFondra, um, Western Sydney, who got Simon Cox, I think it was. Um, just these English kind of lower league players who can plug away, plug away, plug away, and be really, really uh, effective in game, so I'm I'm thinking that this is probably a bit of a calculated risk. Um, let's get some English players in. They know the terrain. Um, they you know they know Melbourne. Sorry, they know Australia because you know England and Australia have a close connection. Um, there's not going to be any kind of issues with um, you know culture shocks or adjustments. These English players they come over to Melbourne in summer. There's two days over 20 degrees. They come in their pants because they're so fucking happy. There's not going to be any chance like any issues with um, hating it or being homesick. They're just here. There's going to be enthusiasm where there hasn't been in previous years with all the toy who just wanted to fuck off home. Um, I think this is a a, a thing worth trying and it may work in future years where the lower league English players might be the go. Not the backpackers like Duncan Calloway. The lower league English, English players that are proven to play those hard lower leagues of English football, um, physical games, and I think that this could be the way of the future for the A-League. I think it probably will be, and it's amazing when you get somebody like a Butterfield and a McManaman. McManaman probably had more exposure and, um, because of his time and that FA Cup game. But if these players were coming from Portugal or Germany or France or Brazil or Argentina or players like that and been playing in the second divisions there, people would be cock-a-hoop about them and excited. But because they're coming from England and they're not the top rank, in Australia we like the top, 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 and we don't really care about the rest of it. But we all know, those of us that watch a lot of football, how good the championship is and how ready... You said it perfectly, Jace. These guys, are they're ready-made. They're professional. They get off the plane. And um, look, I think it might be something for the future because while the top level of football's wages haven't dropped so much, there's a big, there's a big, big drop now in the second and third divisions all over Europe. So it could be a sign of something to come. Yeah, look, I echo a lot of that. I'm fairly pleased with the level of signings that we've made. I think Grant Brebner, I think, you know, he's been in Australia for... 12 plus years, you know, a bit longer actually. And, you know, so we kind of forget um, where he was before that. And he would have a lot of connections from his time in Clubland over there. He came to us, he was over 30 as a player. So, you know, he established himself as a player over there first. So he'd have a lot of those connections. Look, we've signed two players on loan. Totally understandable given the uncertainty that's ahead. So Falami and Ryan... Both young Australian players, both coming to us, uh, you know, um, let's see how it goes with those guys. But I look, I'm quite impressed with um, the signing of Callum McManaman, Jacob Butterfield. I think this is, again, you know, you just don't want to make early calls or predictions as to how certain oh, no, players are going to adapt to Australian There'll be none of that this year. Australian, Australian <laughs> that will not football. be happening this year. You know, like yeah, no, I'm, I'm reserving all judgment until round... 15 of the season. Yeah, no, it's we'll one, know, of, the, no it's yeah. one of these things where you've got um, paper and we, we have this very often with just about every signing we make. You know, you're able to look at what they've done, look at some highlights and, and whatnot and, you know, sort of try and ascertain whether that's going to fit in the A-League. But there's all sorts of layers to this. There's cultural layers, there's acclimatisation, there's, you know, language. Um, and obviously I think, you know, what you hinted, towards their Jace around signing UK-based players um, is, you know, those language barriers aren't there. That's that's an advantage for for players. Um, Jake Broomer is a great signing. Um, still very young, uh, you know, and a victory boy as well. That, that always feels good when you make one of those signings. Max Crocombe. you know, hasn't really, I guess, established himself in the A-League, came from Brisbane, but... You know, had had some time in the UK as well. Nick Ansel, we know what we're getting. It's not like something that we're going to get super excited about, but he's just a, an okay A-League player. And look, you need those players in the squad. I see him as a pretty much a replacement for Donerkey at the end of the day. Um, but there are still 
some signings that we need to make. Uh, I don't think Ben Falami is going to lead the line as much as you know he's at Ipswich Town and we've got him on loan. I don't feel super comfortable in him being our number one striker, which currently he kind of is, unless you want to play Cruz or Rojas as a makeshift striker, which I don't see Brebner doing because I think we're going to see some more traditional football when it comes to Grant Brebner and his approach. That's what we're going to see. Give me a second, boys. I think my fridge has just arrived. Give me Good two time seconds. for a beer break. All right, yeah, so I just had a fridge fridge delivered. Yeah, we had a fridge delivered, nice. a washing machine delivered. Um, so I'm going to um, use the magical power of editing, and we'll get back onto Falami. So um, I'm really excited about Falami, um, and I think that, you know, you talk about you're not going to expect it to leave the line or anything like that. But these young players that we are going for, um, him and also Ryan, they have Oli Roo's experience. Um, so pretty decent pedigree coming back into um, into Australia. And I think that you know if we can give them a good stepping ground with uh, with lots of game time, um, that's pretty promising as well. So yeah, it's it's tough to make um, any kind of judgments right now because we got burnt by that so badly last year we were so enthusiastic and and excited for what was to come out of our foreign uh, foreigners and and signings last year and it, it didn't eventuate so we'll just hold fire for now but um dave we'll, we'll just before we touch on what we need um nick ansel also returned um which got the uh, the recycle uh the, re- the anti-recyclables um, out of the woodwork on social media again. So um, I don't I don't want to see him start at the back. I don't actually think he's good enough to be a starting back four player. Um, he had some he had some real potential going back about five years ago now. Um, but I think that his uh, his since since at the Vuck have been pretty underwhelming. So can you get your thoughts on that? Uh, look, I sort of did touch on it before that I I. I I'm not super excited by his arrival, but I do see him as a solid A-League campaigner. Like, you know, and the analogy I used or I mentioned that I see him as a pretty much a replacement for Donerkey as as being Mm -hmm. capable at this level without being, you know, extraordinary. Um, It's it's fine. Um, It's, it's, you know, it is the A-League. We will have players that, will not knock your socks off when you see their CV. And um, sometimes it's better the devil you know when you make that kind of solid squad player type signing. Um, I just want to briefly, one last thing on on our British um, signings. Um, They're good ages. Um, Butterfield's 30, McManum's 29. Uh, It's not like Poulsen, 37 type signing um you know they're they're both still got legs in them and i think you know there's there's some chemistry there and they obviously know each other um i think a lot of football and success of teams comes down to team chemistry and how a unit performs together on the park you don't necessarily have to have you know absolute star power on every line you have to have a team that understands uh itself so yeah look um i am not making any uh statements or predictions about how this will pan out but i will just mention one thing you know we've been chatting away with the likes of josh Parrish and rudy etzel who you know we, we often bounce around with with discussing the vuck and you know like for vuck fans out there who are, you know you know worried or thinking you know it's not looking all that great and everything like that. I can tell you now, the other squads are looking even shitter in across the league. Except Sydney. Except, Except Sydney. Sydney FC, yeah. Look, because yeah. they've done a remarkable job um, in holding their squad together apart from LaFondra. But we're okay. You know, like I, I don't see us as being uh, in a position where we're going to struggle. Um, don't expect anything out of the ACL, though. Uh, but even today we were discussing that and, you know, like... The other nations that are involved in this and the clubs there, they've had to deal with all this shit too. You know, and they're in a similar position. Yes, their seasons are not out of sync, much like ours. But you know, it, who knows what will happen? So just keep an open mind. That's that's sort of my message to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Now there, um, 
there is some interesting uh, some interesting things about our new recruits. Um, I've, I've coined this over the off season, Brebs as bad boys. Um, so each of our, some of our uh, off season recruits have uh, not been without their time of scandal. I'll just go through a few of these um, previous scandals that we've had. So our uh, backup goalkeeper, Max Crookham, um, he was sent off in an English league game a couple of years ago for urinating on the pitch, um, which is a bit of a, uh, a unique one to be sent off while urinating on the pitch. Let's, uh, let's Callum this pronunciation thing in the bud straight away. It's Crookham. Is that, am, okay. I, am I doing it? All right, mate, let's just get Crookham, that out of the way bad. nice and Crookham. early. Crokem, thank you, Dave. Crokem, uh, he uh, he pissed on the pitch. He's a he's a piss pisser, pisser, uh, pitch do. pisser. Um, he he was he was sent off in a game for pissing on the pitch. Uh, Callum McManaman, he was sent off for a Kevin Musket style tackle um, when he was playing for Wigan Athletic. He was branded uh, branded a villain, much uh, much similar to. Um, much similar to Kevin Musket when he, uh, of course, uh, nearly ended the career of Adrian Zara. Um, Steve Keane, uh, he's uh, our uh, right-hand man to Bremner. He's um, he's uh, had some issues with the piss as well um, of the alcohol variety. He's, uh, he's had a, a DUI or a drunk driving offence. Uh, we should get him offense. on the pod. <laughs> yeah. just um, yeah, sponsored by Temple Brewing, um, and uh, <laughs> the, probably the best the best scandal is Jacob Butterfield. Um, he's featured on the tabloids and the Sun and the Daily Mail. Um, the The headline here is "Trouble Afoot." Um, Derby County star Jacob Butterfield nicked over bloody bite to pal's big toe at wedding bash. So he was arrested at his yes. own engagement party um, over his fiance's big toe. Oh, so um, apparently. Some, he's, I think his um, mate or something started nibbling on his fiance's toe. Now, Dave, if uh, if buds there started nibbling on uh, on on your wife's toe, would uh, would that be grounds for uh, dismissal? Oh, jeez, I'm just trying to picture that. Um, <laughs> I love the man of the people too much, um, but I don't know if the love will wow. extend that far. Um, <laughs> You put me on the spot there. Um, yeah, look, look. all I can say is this. Dinamo Zagreb have the bad blue boys, right? Incredible firm. Melbourne Victory has Brebs' bad boys. So, Brebs' bad boys. Yeah, I like it. Do you know what? The, the A-League is not a pussy league, as someone once said. This is a tough fucking league, all right? You play in the summer. It's end-to-end. It's got action. It's hard, you know, like we don't suffer fools, you know, like, and that's partly because of our kind of AFL rugby bravado that sort of culturally sits in the background there. But this is a tough league and you need tough players. We've been at the forefront of that with Kevin Musket, Grant Brebner, Roddy Vargas, you know, Adrian Layer, players like that. We have some steel. So I have no problems with us picking up some players who know how to throw their weight around. Budza, who um, who else do we need? Uh, what slots do we need to fill before the season starts on December 27? Who should we be looking out for? Uh, striker and a centre-back. That's it. Boom. And we're done. Yep. Exactly. Um, yep. The Rudy, Rudy Gestead um, rumours continue. Um, that's been bubbling away for a couple of weeks now. Lynch Lynch's senior. Put it in print again. Uh, yesterday in the Fairfax papers, and um, it, it hasn't gone away, and it's one that, you know, I believe that Melbourne Victory are capable of signing. Um, apart from that, I've got no idea. Did you say you knew, Dave, where the um, the nationality that we were targeting for the centre-back was coming from? We're having a look at yeah. an Argentinian for a while. There was and a Costa Rican went, went, right, being Costa discussed, Rican. but I don't know if that's still got any legs. But there was an Argentinian yeah, look, before that as well. Yeah. So look, we alluded to it before. We didn't want Falami starting as the starting striker. We didn't want um, Ansel as the starting centre half. So they're the they're the two spots you need to fill. And apart from that, um, look, if if you got Gested there and you've got <clears throat> you got McManaman, you've got Rojas, and you've got possibly Cruz sitting in behind. That's that's 
it's tasty. That's quite a quite a, yeah. That's um quite enticing. Um, Gestead obviously is um you know, he's all about his head and his headers, so the width in the game would need to be good and consistent. Put but it in the mixer. Oh, you can definitely see someone of his stature just absolutely licking his lips at some of the defence in the A League. Uh, it's all gonna, it's all gonna, you know, hinge on the on the balls in, and the pace and the width that we have. But uh, you'd back in McManaman and Rojas to be able to um, facilitate that kind of game. It's good. Traore on one ring, Storm Rue on the other um, yep. as the wing backs. Um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely there's a nucleus there to work with. Yep. I would really like to see the Gested signing. Um, I don't think he's going to be a world beater or anything. Obviously, haven't seen him play for a little while. But uh, he's played at a very high level. He could make mincemeat of these A-League sides. So, yeah, it's um, it's coming along kind of nicely. Uh, as I said, my, my enthusiasm is, uh, is certainly renewed as we head into uh, the last few weeks before the start of the season. So a few more signings and we might uh, we might be competitive, I think. I, th- I definitely think uh, top six is... I mean, uh, it's hard not to make top six, but top six is definitely... Uh, Definitely in our sights. And then uh, it's anyone's guess what happens from there. Um, let's discuss a few tidbits uh, just bef- just really quickly, I think, because we're running over time already. Um, Broxham won back-to-back victory medals since we last spoke. Um, pretty good testament to Broxham, who you dare say would be captain heading into this season. Uh, can't think of anyone else who's who's tenured long enough to actually uh, to go up for the role. But um, it has to... It has to beg the question as well: Is is Broxham just quickly, Dave? Is Broxham in the in the starting eleven? You know what? I'm I'm so glad you asked because this is the one year where I want, and I think it will happen. Lee Broxham, central midfield, all season. Broxham, wow. Butterfield, and um, Brimmer. That's my mm-hmm. the. Uh, I mean, there's there's arguments to be had. It all depends on formation, you know. There's arguments to be had for Kadar uh, and and you know uh, Barnett and and so on. But I, I, yeah, if we're gonna, it, it depends on you know who we're playing and the type of approach we want. Because obviously Kadar is more of that attacking number ten style midfielder to unlock defenses, and we loved what we saw of him at the back end of the. Uh, sort of COVID-affected last season. Uh, Kadar was great, and I'm so glad that he's staying on. We can't forget about him. So, yeah, look, <laughs> Broxham to actually play one position this season is my call. Uh, one of the very few predictions or statements that I'm prepared to make. Yeah, we'll make plenty of more predictions uh, in our pre-season podcast uh, preview in a couple of weeks' time in which we'll go into further depth about all the players as well. Um, I'll, I'll just cross off these quickly as well. Um, in in Belgium, um, Kevin uh, Kevin Musket is a uh, Sint-Trudian. I think it's pronounced, I don't know. I'm not great with pronunciation, as we all know. Uh, they're third last, so he's not having a great time of it there, unfortunately. Um, started off promisingly, but unfortunately, um, yeah, they're... they're I guess they're threatened. Are they threatened of relegation? I'm not too sure. Has anyone looked at the Belgium? Yeah, uh, the bottom two teams recently? go down. Um, two. There you go. So, you know, there, there's a risk there. Um, I think St. Truden have, have... They've got a long-term project in mind. Obviously, relegation would not be a part of that uh, plan. But, um, yeah, early early doors still. It's still a, a few... not sure how much longer to go. Um, probably another three, four months of the, their season to go. So I think I think Kev it's will be time. fine, personally. Yeah, okay. Uh, w League, uh, lots of signings are plenty in the W League for the Vuck Girls. Melina Ayres, Kayla Morrison, Amy Jackson, Catherine Zimmerman, Cordia Bunge, uh, Melinda Barbieri uh, have all signed for the club. Uh, they'll be looking for a, a good campaign. I'm not too sure when they kick off. I think it may be the same time as the as the the men, if I remember correctly. Um, we'll keep on top of that throughout the course of the season. Um, Buds, any any other signings in the A League not Vuck related that have caught your eye um, in the in the uh, off season? I think Macarthur are putting together a pretty good squad. Look, mate, 
Um, I'm gonna just straight up say that I haven't given <laughs> one one shit about anything that's going on in the A League in the last two months. Um, <laughs> been pretty much focused on victory and just wanted to disassociate from everything to do with the pro league in this country. Um, once my obligations were fulfilled from last season and I quite yes. enjoyed it. I'm ready to jump back in, but I, I have I haven't given a brass razoo about what any other side's doing. No. Well, that's where I come in. Uh, I, I thought I'd give you a moment to speak, lads, because Dave has talked this entire geez. podcast. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> but go on, Dave. <laughs> no, but I love I love Bud's refreshing honesty. But uh, there has been a temptation to just switch the fuck off, like you know, because it, it, you know, it's been a pretty shit few months for everyone. Um, but now I agree, MacArthur's putting together a decent squad. Nothing really like amazing. But, you know, to, to write home about. But, you know, Matt Derbyshire is their, their striker that they've signed. Denny Jean-Rowe they got from City, Tommy Orr, Adam Federici. You know, uh, Alexander Susnia, who, who's made a couple of Socceroos appearances. Um, he was right, over cut in him Korea. off next question, Jace. Let's go. Yeah, all right. Uh, quick one, quick one. Um, <laughs> I actually, I actually say, want to have dinner. I want to have dinner, Dave. Dinner. We'll wrap up, Dave. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Carry on. <laughs> Fuck the other teams. Go. Yeah, uh, we're going to move on to ACL. We're going to scrap a whole bunch of stuff off this rundown. Um, we're going to move into ACL. So we are going to the uh, to Doha to play in the remaining four games of our group. Uh, we're coming up. We've got a double banger against Beijing. Um, I think they finished third or fourth or something. Third, third in the Chinese uh, Super League. They just wrapped up their season. So uh, they're in prime prime condition um they're probably going to batter us so we have to kind of withstand uh, a bit of a barrage of fire in the next two games and then perhaps uh, it may open up for us in the final two games of the group i think they've played in the space of about 10 games uh, 10 days or in qatar um so yeah it's i mean you go in there with an open mind you're not going to be in there with any expectations to get out of the group probably better if we don't go to the get out of the group because um you have to go back to australia um probably quarantine and then head back to wherever they're going to play the next one um or or stick around so i'm not too sure for preparation wise you just do it you fulfill your obligation shake a few hands or um probably not in this covid uh environment just maybe fist bump or something especially in in doha where it's uh where it's ripe at the moment i think um but just fulfill your obligations get out of there and then just focus on the A-League. I think that we've always kind of... I think the fans are pretty split on this 50-50 down the middle, whether they actually enjoy it or think it's relevant. Um, I'm more in the... I, I guess it changes from season to season, season for me. Um, this one I'm just seeing as a pure tune-up for the A-League season. Let's just get it, get it done and get out of there and uh, head into A-League season. Buds, I'll throw to you first because we all know Dave has had enough today. Um your thoughts overall on this uh, Asian Champions League campaign they're about to recommence? Look, I think um, it's always hard for us. It's never not going to be hard. I think it stinks that we actually have to go and play it. Um, AFC going to AFC. There's there's nothing you can do about that. They've they've threatened the the fines and expulsion etc. for the Australian teams. Um, we're not we're not really liked much anyway. Uh, we don't really add too much there. Um, Beijing star player, their Congolese striker, is not playing. So he scored 14 goals for them in that run in the league. But he is on international duty and he may may surface. Um, Seoul have had a pretty terrible season so far. They actually had a player commit suicide the other week as well um so there's a there's actually a lot going on in this group off off the pitch um uh changrai are on their third manager in the space of a year so look if there, there could be a little bit of a miracle here where victory come in everyone's on even ground everyone's all over the shop everyone's in a hub victory might just come in and i don't know be galvanized and pick up a couple of points but um, I was talking in a chat the other day. I don't. I don't care where teams sit in their in their respective leagues when we play them or where they finished. When we go over to Asia and play them, they batter us, absolutely batter us. Especially the K League sides. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I'd I'd like to see us get another win in Asia. We've done it once. Um, to get into this tournament. Um, but 
it'll it'll be what it'll be. Um, I'm kind of it's kind of like me with the FFA Cup, where I really think it's compromised, a bit of a shit show. I don't love it, but then we're not. And it was the same with the Hub as well. Um, once you start watching Melbourne Victory play on TV, you really get into it and invested. So I'll mm-hmm. enjoy it. I don't, I don't think it's great that we're playing there, but once I start watching it and there's a uh, there's points up for grabs and there's 22 guys running around on a pitch kicking a ball, I'll be right into it. Dave, have at it. Okay, so yeah, the whole playing away in Asia thing. Look, it's it's neutral territory for everyone. Um, so I guess that throws another factor of unpredictability into the mix. And you know, uh, even though we, as I said, we're we're not in sync as much as other teams. They, they, it's so hard to get a read on any of this. But obviously, we have had zero friendlies, barring the game played against City today. It's you know, <laughs> behind closed doors, so we don't have much of a an understanding of form lines or who's playing where or what Brebner's approach will be. Uh, and Falami and and Ryan haven't trained with the squad. They're meeting up with the rest of the squad in Qatar. So, you know, two players that, based on our current squad, are in our starting lineup, uh, you know, in terms of capability have not even met the players. So, you know, that that says to me that, you know, we're going to be up against it. That said, you know, like I sort of see this as, again, glass half full. You know, these matches are effectively going to be a pre-season event for our boys. It The positive spin on that is that, you know, it's just ourselves, Perth uh, and Sydney FC that are getting these hit-outs, these proper hit-outs before the A-League season starts itself. We're behind the eight ball in the group already, um, you know, and it's been revealed that you know if we did actually manage to get out of the group, we would be stuck over there for the Christmas period, which uh, probably doesn't sit well with most people. And I suspect this is why the A League as a whole hasn't yet nailed down the fixtures, because if Sydney, Perth, or Victory end up hanging around for a bit longer. That's going to have a knock-on effect um, in terms of the A-League kicking off on December 27, which is uh, slated. So, yeah, um, so hard to get a read on. I'm, you know, I don't have any um, feelings around it other than I'll have that same emotional investment that Bud's just talked about when you know you see your boys on the telly. Is it actually? It should be on Ko. You'd think. I'm guessing yeah. that oh, that's all still kosher. Because yeah, um, that that's all a little bit up in the air as well uh, around TV rights. You'd think it would be, and it should be, but let's wait and see. Yeah, that's all I have to say, boys. Yep, I think it's just a wait and see approach. I think we have learnt our lesson from last year. We're just going to wait and see how these players uh, gel and bold. I think it's a good opportunity to get them uh, four games to uh, to gel together um, in Doha of all places. A bit of a pre-season camp in these uh, crazy times. So um, that all kicks off on November 24, which is about a week or so away. Uh, we'll probably be back. Um, during that middle period of uh, of those four games to, to do a pod um, and then eventually kind of ramp up to every week thereafter. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed the first episode of Season 6 of For, for Buck's Sake. Um, always good to get the rust off and, and uh, get back into, into it. Um, boys, thank you for taking the time out of your days. Uh, we will catch you in about a week or so. Peace. Mon the vac. Mon.